0: Hello everybody, I'm Lou Dobbs and welcome to The Great America Show. Glad to have you with us. I think most of us spend at least a few moments, most days, just shaking our heads at what's happened to our country, certainly what's happening to our government. It's almost unreal when you think Joe Biden is President of the United States, that he's the leader of the free world, so-called, that the Marxist Dems and the deep state are in control of our federal government, all of it with the possible exception of the Supreme Court, but John Roberts is Chief Justice, and with him as Chief Justice, the Supreme Court is really hanging by a thread, isn't it? Think of it. Those Marxist Dems control the White House, Congress, the Senate, the entire federal bureaucracy, and the Marxist Dems control the deep state as well. The so-called administrative state isn't hiding, it isn't in deep cover, it's right out in the open persecuting a former president holding American citizens as political prisoners, trampling all the while our Constitution. Parents can be charged with domestic terrorism if they raise their voices in a school board meeting. Federal prosecutors and persecutors and courts alike seem utterly indifferent to the ideals of justice, American justice, and they act as partisan activists, the FBI, the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, the top law enforcement officer in the country, is acting like a thug, a liar, a gangster, and the FBI and DOJ seem to commit far more crimes than they will ever solve. Merrick Garland is a creepy gangster. I haven't yet truly decided what Bill Barr was. Was he a thug, a corrupt establishment Republican tool, or corrupt to his core? I really don't know. Maybe a little bit of, or a lot of, each of those. But I do know he changed history, and not for the better. He changed history when he refused to tell the nation that Joe Biden was lying through his teeth in the presidential debates, that he was and is corrupt, and now he wants to run for a second term. Isn't that lovely? What are we supposed to say? Sure, why not? This isn't so bad. Corruption everywhere, impaired leadership isn't terrible, so long as the puppet just does what his masters order him to do. And somehow his absentee foreign policy team can somehow get lucky and avoid a nuclear exchange with Putin's Russia. And maybe we'll also get lucky with the economy that's deteriorating each week. Rampant high-inflation global oil producers driving up prices on American consumers Because Biden calls Saudi Arabia a pariah. But what about that famous fist bump you ask, really? Fist bumps don't count anymore? What has America come to? We get a lot of great answers to that question each day from justthenews.com, a great news organization founded by John Solomon, their editor-in-chief and CEO and Great American. John, great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show We now know the January 6th committee will not have that promised final report before the election, but they do promise to give us their very best thinking, such as it is. What do you think?
1: Well, think about it. Uh, We will go into the 2022 election, not knowing what the Democrats actually ultimately found in the 2020 election. My guess is they didn't find the sort of headlines that they were looking for, hence they're just going to kick it to after the election. By the way, it could die too, because if they don't get it out before the end of the year and House Republicans take over next year, they very well could dissolve that committee. We might never see its findings, uh, but we, we've known there's been all sorts of problems with. Let's go back to a year ago. I broke the story that they had accused Bernie Carrick, the former NYPD commissioner, of being in a meeting on January 5th to plot the overthrow of the election the next day in Washington, D.C. It turns out, because I got his phone records and toll booth records, he was in New York. He wasn't even in here. They had apologized to him. We go into the famous testimony of Hutchinson, the young White House aide who says uh, the uh, President Trump grabbed the steering wheel, the limousine, and <laughs> commandeered it to the Capitol. And the Secret Service said, well, first off, Hutchinson wasn't there. Cassidy Hutchinson wasn't even there. And two, it's not true. It's disinformation. The hearing, the, the January 6th panel has repeatedly had those sort of muffs and fluffs all throughout. They would rush out with something before checking their facts. And I think Ultimately, they did a lot of discredit to themselves, and you can see what happens. The hearing ratings go way down. uh, The news coverage of it goes down. It lost its theme, it lost its credibility. And while there are very important issues to resolve from January 6th, most importantly, how did a $600 million a year police force uh, which reported directly to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, not be able to stop a group of yahoos, you know, who stormed the Capitol. By the way, they weren't organized terrorists. They weren't uh, uh, anything of a, a nation state type attack like we had a 9-11. So how did that happen? And, and that hasn't been focused on for one minute in these hearings. That's a public interest. We all ought to learn that, fortify the Capitol better. You're not going to get that from Benny Thompson or Liz Cheney or Jamie Raskin or that crowd, Adam Schiff. But next year, I expect the House Republicans, they've been doing an enormous amount of work. My understanding is they have text messages showing exactly what Nancy Pelosi's team knew and when they knew it. And I would expect that to come out soon, even if the Democrats fail to get their information out. Let me ask you, do you expect Nancy Pelosi to retire? You know, there have been these reports that uh, she's thinking about uh, going to Italy next year, particularly if the Republicans are in control. She just made a trip to Italy. Uh, She gave us an interview over the weekend saying, that's hogwash. It's not going to happen. We'll see. I think uh, there's a strong possibility that if uh, Democrats are in the minority again in the House, that she'll step aside and let a younger generation. One of the remarkable things about the House Democrats is you see it, Benny Thompson, Uh, Steny Hoyer, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Joe Biden, they're all very old. They're all 75 to 80, 85. And there's very little young blood in the party that can connect to the next generation or have the energy. I think there could be a significant changing of the guard uh, in January if Democrats lose. I think you'll see some of the newer, younger members of the party step into leadership positions for the first time.
0: Yeah, and with Nancy Pelosi, I think she, a lot will depend on the extradition treaties of the countries that she selects. <laughs> I, 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 I would assume. Uh, let's let's turn to the the Mar-a-Lago raid controversy. Yeah. The National Archives nominee that Biden had chosen uh, goes down in flames. Uh, absolutely, a pathetic choice of any. I, I, I mean, no matter what was going on with Mar-a-Lago, the National Archives. The woman was a complete and utter incompetent, and it was transparently so, uh, vividly uh, uh, <laughs> observable. Uh, and yet here we are. More of it, they don't care who they're put where, because you know what? They're just going to do what they're told, and they're going to try to wreak as much havoc on America as they can. Don't you
1: your thoughts? Well, listen. The National Archives, I think, is part of that uh, leading edge of uh, the the left's uh, takeover of, of what used to be institutions that we all enjoyed, that we all could share, regardless of our political beliefs. As you know, uh, I think it was about a year ago we broke this story about the Archives putting warning labels on some of our founding documents that they might be harmful or trigger you, like the Constitution. Can you imagine that the Constitution being harmful? In this new left world that has taken over institutions like the FBI, the National Archives, all of these universities, including universities working with the government to censor content during the 2020 election, a story we had last week, there is a uh, derision of the American experience, a derision of our history, a derision of our Bill of Rights and our Constitution and the values that made the country what it is. And the archives is just one of those places long before the Donald Trump uh, raid, there was already, uh, these warning and other signs that this is a group of, um, of uh, liberals running in these institutions, they actually called some of our founding documents, this isn't my word, this is their word, potentially harmful content. Think about that. The Declaration of Independence or the Constitution being considered by a government agency to be potentially harmful content. Long before the Mar-a-Lago raid, I think NARA showed its covers. The Ministry of Truth
0: uh, was already in existence, wasn't it? Over there in the uh, National Archives. Unbelievable. Uh, And what is, to me, uh, just unthinkable is that the Democratic Party doesn't have a single solitary soul who has the common sense, the decency, the integrity to say, this is absurd what you're doing here. They are of one voice, one mind, one perspective, and one value. They are Marxists and they are going to adhere to one another. They're going to be as uh, cohesive as uh, is imaginable around anything uh, that is it is their agenda, irrespective of how mad
1: it is. I, I never thought we'd get to really this point, but we are there, aren't we? We are. Listen, there's one interesting Democrat to watch. I I have been amazed as a reporter at her metamorphosis. But Tulsi Gabbard, stood on the stage in 2020, ran against Joe Biden, tried to win the presidential nomination for the Democratic Party. Since that time, she has become a clarion voice against all that the Democratic Party stands for. Her speech at CPAC in February on the erosion of the First Amendment under President Biden, under Democrats, one of the most extraordinary speeches i've seen given in the last 10 years there's a single democrat just think about that a single democrat in an entire movement objecting everybody else is going along for this ride and i think that's why americans when they go to the poll in november they're going to be voting for more than just this election they're going to be voting i think in their own minds Uh, for what sort of nation we're going to be for the next 5, 10, or 20 years. Are we going to be a nation where our our debt goes to $50 trillion? Are we going to be a nation where free speech has been censored? Are we going to be a nation where we tantalize with nuclear war with Vladimir Putin? All these questions are on the front line. Are we going to keep our borders open or lose the entire security of our borders? Are we going to let bad criminals out and keep creating crime? are we going to ruin the greatest free market economy ever created in the world? This election is really not just about what candidates we're electing in November. It is what sort of country we want America to be for the next five, 10, 20, 25 years. That's why I think Democrats are going to fare so poorly. I think voters are looking bigger than just the next two years. And I, I also, I, I worry about this, John, because
0: on its face, this should not be close. And we look at the generic, uh, the generic vote uh, in Congress, and it's four points. It's five points. Yeah. It's uh, given what we know: the uh, the the toxicity, the corruption, the criminality of the Democratic Party, uh, and its Marxist dims leaders. A puppet president who is nothing more than a prop. Kamala Harris, a vice president who is bewildering uh, in her befuddlement, uh, and and we have a, a country that's trying to pretend that this is all just perfectly normal, that it's okay to have a president who doesn't know what the hell he's doing or where he is or how to get to where he yeah. should be.
1: or seeking uh, dead yeah. people yeah
0: <laughs> I, I mean, yes, and yeah. calling them out. yeah, uh, it, and being somewhat irritated when they don't quickly respond. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, it's stunning stuff and who has the temerity. To, uh, if you will, prod Vladimir Putin uh, as if we're going to go to uh, in that famous line with Slim Pickens uh, in Dr. Strangelove, as if we're going to go toe to toe in nuclear combat with the Ruskies. Yeah. He is out of his mind. And But you know what? There's an entire cadre around him that are equally so. And everyone watching this stage performance uh, at 1600 Pennsylvania pretending this is normal, that there's nothing amiss, uh, whether it's the national media, which is paid to do so, that is, notice when things are amiss, or whether it's someone at home watching this unfold. This is a a time of sheer psychotic
1: break, in my opinion, in this nation's history. Yeah, and you know, the good news is I think the men and women uh, in the middle, silent majority, as Ronald Reagan once called them, I think they are not uh, been fooled at all by this. And I think the great lesson that elitists are going to learn in the next couple of elections is you think you're fooling the American people, you're never going to fool them. They're smarter, swifter, and they can see BS a mile away. And they can also see when something is amiss in just how we're approaching everyday governance. When Kamala Harris on Friday suggested that maybe hurricanes were racist and that emergency relief would be dealt with on an equity basis as opposed to a need basis. I think most Americans said, what? When did, when did disasters become a race issue? And I think that these little subliminal things, which a lot of the elitists think slip by Americans who are too busy or too stupid, that's their view of it, not mine. Uh, I think they're accumulating in the minds of Americans. And I think the payback, the, the boomerang for the last couple of years of, of uh, policies and spending and uh, race victimization is going to uh, come back in a big way and really be spelled out in an election result. And there was a great moment Friday night where two places where I think Americans are winning, it, the ballot box are gonna win with their by expressing their opinion and the courts continue and continue to uh, rectify silly instances. I'll just give you one great example Friday in Georgia. Uh, Stacey Abrams built a national franchise, by the way, great wealth for herself, tens of millions of dollars of fundraising on the notion that Georgia was at the center of a 21st century Jim Crow voting system, a racist voting system. Not even an Obama-appointed judge could buy into that. She She got her trial, and the judge rejected all of her accounts at her Fair Fight organization, rejected every concept that Georgia somehow was inherently racist because it required voter ID or citizenship checks. So there is some sanity being uh, inserted into this equation by the American people by voting and by the courts, which are trying to follow the rule of law, not the rule of Joe Biden. It is a, it is a hopeful sign. Yeah. Uh, but at the
0: same time, I can't, you know, I, I have to be a little retrograde. But if all of that's true, how in the world? Did we end up with uh, Warnock, uh, for example, sure. in 2020? How in the world did we end up with Joe Biden in the White House? Because he was, as every, he was every bit the pitiful uh, sop of a fool that he is now then. And he, no one had ever seen him with a crowd. No one had ever seen any particular excitement about the fact that Joe Biden was going to run or was
1: running. Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I think we will look back at 2020 and the start of the pandemic and realize that the misinformation disinformation campaign wasn't the conservatives or the everyday Americans. It was the democratic machinery that restrained information using the power of government, using the power of big tech and using the power of news media. And using the power of its own political party. When you look at what happened starting in 2016 with Russia collusion, then in 2020 with the Hunter Biden laptop and with a lot of the COVID narratives, the Democrats, the news media, the big tech titans worked together with the United States government, the bureau deep permanent bureaucracies, which now lean left, by the way, in many of these institutions, and they restrained freedom, they restrained information. They changed the rules of the election, Uh, and we know from Americans who've woken up to this reality that when they're told, if you had known about the Hunter Biden laptop, what it contained, would you have voted differently? And overwhelmingly, they say yes. That was carried out by big tech, big media, uh, big Democrats, and big bureaucracy. And i think that we'll look back and that's probably the end verdict that history will give to the 2020 election but 2022 looks to be a course correction a repudiation a rejection of the things that went on in 2020 we see it in the change of laws we see it in the shift of hispanics to republicans we see the return of suburban moms who say you're not going to be poisoning my children with that crap in our schools and i think 2022 if it keeps the trend lines we're seeing now will be the ultimate course correction to 2020. And there'll be a large message delivered to all parties about what, where America still stands on these issues.
0: Well, I hope, I hope you're right. But at the same time, and again, a you know, take out and uh, just the news uh, on Biden using taxpayer dollars oh, yeah. to boost, boost Democrat turnout. Yeah. In other words, replacing with government money, the taxpayer money, yep. government power, resources, and manpower, uh, and, and throwing it at the 2022 midterm election. And the Republicans are complaining about it, but as usual have no solution or countervailing power to change the outcome whatsoever. I mean, your thoughts on how in the world this could proceed. This is federal money. This is federal government money, it's federal government resources. This has to be against the law.
1: Well, that's gonna be a great question to uh, see litigated. And we're seeing some early litigation now starting to crop up. Where the great inroads have been made in election integrity, by the way, have been, there have been some made, but they're usually not made by the Republican Party. I think you have your figure right on the pulse. They're the last, they're the Johnny-come-latelys. But there are private groups you know, uh, that are out there that are suing in Wisconsin there's been an extraordinary legal counterattack on all of the silliness that the Wisconsin Election Commission the Evers administration has done, starting with the idea that they put out mobile ballot boxes. There was no legal provision to put mobile ballot boxes out. They've been declared unlawful. When they were declared unlawful, some of the Democratic counties wouldn't withdraw the permission. And so these determined legal activists, by the way, just lawyers and nonprofit groups, they went and forced every county that wouldn't acknowledge it ballot boxes, mobile ballot boxes were illegal, and they forced them to get decrees. That's the sort of determination you would expect the Republicans to have. They don't have it, but private groups are doing this. Same thing in Pennsylvania, there's been some good litigation. In Michigan, there's been some good litigation. Arizona, the legislature put in some significant reforms. Some of them have been delayed to 2024, but uh, there, there are a lot of the issues that Democrats got away with in 2020. By the way, no, no work of the National Republican Party, but at the state level and with activists, good wins that I think preserve American election integrity better than we had in 2020.
0: Well, I, let's uh, pray so. The, what we're witnessing is, again, chilling uh, and deeply disturbing because there is, as you say, there is a wave election. Poll after poll confirms that yeah. of what's happening. Uh <laughs> tabula rasa you know it, it is <laughs> uh, it is another question yeah uh, what is uh, what the subversives will do in the Democratic party and I don't think there is any limit to it i, I want to get to one other issue if i may sure, very quickly here and that is uh, a, a judge aileen cannon who has been remarkable in her in her, I think, legal reasoning, her adherence to law and her fearlessness in going up against the U.S. Justice Department, which is intimidating in tone and action. Uh, It is really quite something to see the the Justice Department and the FBI, but the Justice Department uh, absolutely not hesitant to bully uh, a district court judge. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's where we are and she by the way has so far uh met that uh, that steel with granite your thoughts on what where we're headed now uh, as they are trying to get a, an appeal through to break uh, her co- uh, control uh, on the case
1: yeah i think it's going to end up in the supreme court and i think the supreme court ultimately will side with the judge because the judge has authority they're going to say she's the person closest to the facts And uh, she's made rulings that are consistent with the law, and there's no reason for us to intervene anymore. It is interesting to watch the Justice Department try to bowl over really serious concerns like executive privilege or uh, the right to privacy. Even though you're a former president doesn't mean you were given some lesser set of rights than everyday Americans The Justice Department's position is we don't really care about these issues. We just want to get what we want to get. And I think this judge is saying that's not what our founding fathers want. That's not what the Constitution says. And President Trump's entitled to the same constitutional protection as um, every other American. And I'm not going to be swayed by your bully tactics. And she has gone. She even reigned in her own uh, special master who got outside of his job assignment. Hey, hey, I didn't tell you to go do that get back in line. And so you're right, Judge Cannon has has been uh, a remarkable news story to cover, uh, the first counterbalance to what has been a one-sided story and a one-sided set of actions by the Justice Department. I think the place we all should be watching will be uh, the uh, Supreme Court, What where the Supreme Court comes down on these very important issues of uh, search and seizure, uh, uh, executive privilege of power given to the president and the constitution, well, the Supreme Court, I think, is going to be the ultimate arbiter on this dispute.
0: It is. It does seem to be one dispute, uh, unlike uh, going back to twenty twenty, for example, where it evaded every, uh, every uh, effort to get involved in that election and could yeah. have, I think, answered many of the questions and resolved many of the conflicts in that election and answered yeah. many of the questions, uh, choosing not to. This time, I don't see an easy way out for them. Uh, and I also, frankly, uh, don't see how this can end any other way than with a Justice Department that is both uh, uh, brought to heel and uh, including the the special master appointed by Judge Cannon. Uh, Judge Deary is out of his mind, <laughs> making rules about what the uh, what the plaintiffs have to do. Uh, procedurally, outside the the issue for the, the, the special master, yeah. uh, suggesting here's the timeline, and if you've got anything that would prove that uh, you're not guilty of uh, of everything I'm thinking of, uh, then you are in trouble. Uh, it just, it's just monstrous abuse of power.
1: It really is. Uh, Lou, I've been really watching uh, Judge Derry, and it's interesting. I guess he forgot that he's not on the bench anymore. And so he was making... Judge like decisions where he was really supposed to be an independent arbiter, and I think that's where Judge Cannon said, hey, hey, I'm the judge. You're not the judge anymore. Stick to the stick to the mandate. It was a very interesting um, uh, guidance to him and, and strong guidance, and I think that is the sort of court intervention uh that we're going to see in some of these key cases whether it's related to search and seizure the election rules i think the courts have told us one very important thing something that i'm not sure the republican national committee has picked up on yet but i think many other activists had the courts have made clear now we're not going to referee an election dispute after the vote's been cast if you got a problem come to us before the election and we'll resolve it then and i think you see that with their ruling in arizona where they upheld the uh, ballot harvesting law. They're glad to um, uphold laws and, and knock down democratic tactics before the vote is going to occur, but not after the vote's been occurred. They're not gonna do another Bush v. Gore. It's pretty clear that's the message they're sending. What does that mean? It means Republican activists. It means election integrity experts need to find the problems before the election and go to court before election day, not do what the Republican National Committee did which is wait until after the election and say, oh, I can't believe they made all those changes. The answer is they were occurring in front of you. You allegedly had an army of lawyers. You should have done it before the election. And in this election, we are seeing private election groups, uh, do, particularly in Wisconsin, Michigan, they are doing the right work. Uh, and you're seeing secretaries of states like Georgia and Arizona, the Attorney General Secretary of State, they're winning cases before the election, like what happened in Georgia on Friday. That's going to be the way the courts are gonna exercise their power. And no one should sit on their haunches and wait to after the election. If you see something, challenge it now. Don't wait till the day after the election. That's the message the courts have given. You know, I think that's, that's great jurisprudence. You know, I think it's even
0: better common sense. Yeah, uh, that if you have to tell lawyers to try to stop harm before it's committed. Exactly. Uh, we've got we have got we got a, a an in bank uh, meaning of, <laughs> of stupid. Uh, yeah. I, I just I, I can't imagine it. Yeah. But as you as we all know, not all the attorneys are as smart as as for example you and me, and that and more's the pity, don't you think?
1: yeah listen i think that uh there's a moment where common sense is really all the american people are demanding of everybody in power just be common sense like we are and i think that those who aren't are going to get cast aside in these next couple elections and those that are are going to be put into power and said hey fix this mess that washington got us into but common sense is the word that i when i go out outside of the beltway and i get to meet people for a day or two I hear it all the time. Why don't we use common sense? This is so much common sense. Why can't we just do common sense things? That is where the American public's head is right now. They want common sense people. And it's common sense that if you saw something before the election, challenge it. Don't wait to after the election. It's common sense that we should have our border closed. It's common sense that we shouldn't let violent offenders back on the street within 24 hours of committing a heinous crime. Americans know it, and they're actually now going to be on a mission to seek out political leaders who are going to apply that common sense to action. And I think when people look back at the election of 2022, there are going to be two questions. People answer the question, are you better off than you were two years ago? Hell no, we aren't. And two, we want leaders that are going to do common sense thing. And if you don't want to do common sense thing, you're fired.
0: And, you know, with a big, heaping, healthy serving of respect for the governed, (laughs) <laughs> uh, I would really like to see a lot of that in the uh, uh, on the menu as well. That would be a game changer. <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, in some in some respect for both law and order. Yes. Uh, just respect, uh, I think, is probably a good place to start. John, I, as we wrap up here, I want to just ask you, what what are you working on that you can share with us at this point? What do you see as the next big story?
1: so i've been working the last few days we had a couple stories that broke friday and saturday on this about this uh uh, censorship uh machinery that was put together in 2020 and by the way it's underway and working right now in the 2022 election we got the internal document showing what they brag they achieve. the united states government federal agencies were able to file tickets with a private entity saying i want that url censored i want that tweet censored i want that sentiment censored and they outsource censorship to this private um, entity called the Election Integrity Partnership. And the the group was made up of a couple of liberal universities, Stanford and um, University of Washington, a social media company, and a entity tied to the Atlantic Council, which leans left on foreign policy. They went out and they canceled uh, all sorts of content on the internet. Just think, of these are the numbers from their report bragging about what they achieved. They targeted 4,900 URLs, 20 news sites, 29 influencers, and had an impact on 22 million tweets in four months, leading into and out of the 2020 election. And they're back in business now, uh, now funded by the federal government. Last time the government just gave them the idea of what to censor, this time they've actually given them money. Uh, That is an anathema to all our founding fathers fought for, for free speech. We're going to continue to follow the story. We're getting new documents every day. Tomorrow we're going to break a story about Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, how she was censored. That's an important thing because there's a separation of powers whenever you're targeting a Congresswoman-elect or Congresswoman, the federal government, the executive branch targeting the congressional branch. We're going to dig into all of that over the next few days, but one of the great, in fact, the greatest censorship machine ever constructed in American history.
0: And we know the number one name on that list, President Donald J. Trump.
1: You got that right.
0: (laughs) All right. We'll look forward to it, John, as always. Thanks Thanks so much for being with us here on The Great America Show. John Solomon, founder, CEO of justthenews.com. A great, uh, a great journalist, a great entrepreneur, a, a great American.
1: Thank you, sir. Great honor to be on your show.
0: Thanks, everybody, for being with us here on The Great America Show. Tomorrow, our guest is Jeffrey Clark, former top official at the Department of Justice. We'll be talking about corruption in the FBI and the Department of Justice. That's here tomorrow. Please join us. Till then, God bless you and God bless America.